Hi friends, this is Dick Flax with another of our series called Inside Ala Vista, which I'm pleased to be the host of. Today we have a very special uh, opportunity to learn about a very uh, difficult and poignant human situation. The eviction notices received by more than 240 households in an apartment complex in Isla Vista. Uh, this happened a few months ago. And we've got here Sam Sapizi. You're a tenant in the complex. We also got the pleasure of Stanley Tsankoff, who's one of the leading organizers of the Santa Barbara Tenants Union, which has been very active in working with the tenants uh, in Isla Vista and lobbying for needed government action that might help protect uh, people in this circumstance, including the people now victims of core spaces. It's a Chicago-based firm bought the complex and almost immediately turned around and decided to post eviction notices on everybody's door, or what's the technical term? Notices of termination which are not, in fact, notices of eviction, but warning kind of thing. So, Sam, why don't you tell us what that was like to, uh, from the beginning um, to receive that kind of um, notice on your door? Um, it, was, it was actually kind of expected because we had some investors walking through our apartments um, in January. And so we figured the complex was going to be sold. Um, and I kind of had already heard about renovations from um, some friends I have down in L.A. But um, yeah, in March, we got a notice on our door saying, hey, the building's been sold. We're excited to meet you. And then the very next day, it was the um, termination notice. And it was... Um, for me, I was just, I was hoping so badly it wouldn't happen, but um, it did. And it was really scary. Um, the, the whole complex changed. It went from this like place where there's like kids running around and people having parties and everyone, you know, getting together to just people crying and scared and just freaked out. Everyone bracing because they're thinking, oh no, there's a thousand people here about to get evicted. I have to go find a place first. So people were immediately starting to sign leases for like $4,000. And it it really changed the environment. Um, for me personally, it, um, it delayed my graduation and it may have to make me leave the county entirely. Um, but for other families, and um, a lot of the residents here on Section 8, it means homelessness. There's nowhere for them to go. They can't afford 3500 rent for a one-bedroom apartment. Um, so it's it's really terrifying when you just lose that small sense of security that you have with your, your home. Um, and then on top of that, having a random billion-dollar corporation just coming in and just basically saying, we you're... We don't care about you. You're just a bunch of poor people. Go away. So th this is a company that specializes in creating high-end student, private student dormitories. They've done this in a number of places. Uh, and maybe they th thought, 
oh, that's who's living in this complex is a bunch of UCSB students. And there are students there, but you've already made it uh, made note of the fact that a lot of the tenants are not that. Are You are a student, uh, but what's your own personal situation? And then tell us what your sense is of the, the varieties of folks who are, who are living there. Yeah, so I am a student, but I'm not a traditional student. I'm um, finishing my undergrad, but I am 29. Um, Santa Barbara or Isla Vista is my permanent home. I don't have a home to go back to. I've lived with my partner of 10 years and our cats. Um, my situation personally, um, I already have everything I need for my degree. Decided to take summer classes, though, because I knew if we would be forced to move, I would need to have proof of income. Um, and I'm not working right now. And most apartment complexes, they want three times the rent, um, your income to be, which would mean for a $2,500 apartment in, say, Ventura, that would mean I we'd have to make $90,000 a year just to get in. And so I'm like, oh, no, you know, if I just go by my partner's income, he makes around $56,000. Um, so... Yeah, it's really, really scary. Um, and even now, my situation, um, I don't think we're going to be able to find a place that we could move to. I'm honestly contemplating um, if an unlawful detainer goes through and we're out, it's probably going to be a storage unit with our stuff and us and our cats in our cars. Um, but yeah at least we do have cars. So, you know, with the other people here, they don't, many people do not have cars. They, they, they will be on the streets. And to your second question, um, it, I would, I would say it's kind of 50, 50, 50% students, 50%, you know, families, elderly, um, very low income folks. There are people on section eight, as you mentioned, there are people, as I understand it, on emergency homeless voucher which is a, a, another program of subsidized. So one of the one of the I would say criminal uh, features of this move by core spaces is that they're taking what is a existing affordable uh, living circumstance for hundreds of people and and their business model they they are evicting people to create a high end uh set up for uh, exclusively for student types of people who can afford uh, uh those kind of high high rents this is a very good uh investment opportunity these days for for uh, these kinds of companies because you can milk a lot of you can pack a lot of individual students into an apartment and each of them paying uh uh, uh, their own individual rents that can be much better than you get out of any family, obviously. All right. So uh, what we need to know is, first of all, so the tenants have organized to some extent, and I, I think you're, you're in, uh, actively involved in that, right, Sam? Yes. Yeah. We formed Core Spaces Tenant Association. And what have you been trying to do in that regard? Um, basically stop the whole eviction process 
at all, like to, to keep our homes and stay here. Um, Core Spaces has done this so many times in so many different um, cities across the United States. Um, we we want to just get this to, to stop um, for but for both us at CBC and the sweeps, but for their future victims. Um, so what is your understanding right now of the legal recourse that you as a tenant have faced with this kind of eviction? Well, um, currently, um, we've all gotten our termination notices, which aren't, it's not an eviction, right? It's just a notice. Um, the next step would be CORE would have to give us an unlawful detainer, which they can't do because they don't have permits yet. Um, they have to get um, permits before they can serve any UDs. Um, but they will eventually get permits. And then once that happens, um, basically we go to court and then we see what a judge decides. Um, I think there's been a lot of negligence that CORE has um, done, a lot of various um, extra variables that could hopefully support our case in court. But And then if, yeah, if we were to lose the unlawful detainer, we would then get um, an eviction on our record, which would make it nearly impossible to rent anywhere else. And we'd have to be out within a number of days or the cops come in with their guns and take you out. So the permit, by the way, is is a permit to do the, the, the grounds on which they are evicting are the standard grounds that major renovations are needed to be done. And the tenant would have to leave in order for those renovations to happen. But what the county rules are is that you must have a permit for the renovation you must have actually applied to get a permit to renovate before you can have a legal eviction or lawful unlawful detainer kind of action taken against the tenant so that's so that has that happened to anyone yet is there anyone who uh, in the in the building who's had come to that stage do we know no because um Core has to actually get the permits. Like they have to fully, not only apply, but be approved. And they're still in the application process. Okay. So um, no, no one, at least, I mean, some people have gotten unlawful detainers for other reasons um, by core spaces, but not for, you know, specifically this renovation. So those original notices on people's doors that cause so much crying and panic and and, uh, and anxiety uh, in a certain way where you could say almost a fiction. They were, they were a threat and people didn't know their rights. Most people don't know their rights. Uh, and But their rights weren't necessarily all there yet. So that's why, why um, one thing that Stanley can offer us is you, you, you guys in the Tenants Union and other housing advocates and the tenant association immediately mobilized to try to get county government to strengthen the protections of tenants in circumstances like that. So tell us about that process and what, what has been achieved so far. That's right. Um, well, and thanks again for, for having us and elevating this really, really important issue. Um, so, you know, this uh, in March when Core Spaces bought, bought out the complex for 91 million it came right on the heels of a big public outpouring of support for a ban on rent evictions 
um, and tightening up loopholes for different evictions in um, allowing different sorts of evictions in the city of Santa Barbara. Um, and, uh, you know, for us thinking we would just catch our breath, right? This, this happened sort of the next week over. Um, but the flip side to that is we, um, it was a familiar site from just the, the, the stories that we had been hearing and the, the folks we had been working with who were experiencing similar things on a, on a maybe smaller scale, um, where, um, where people are getting thrown out of their homes under the guise of needed repairs and reno renovations um, in a legal framework um, that was just leaving tenants behind, right? It was, it was absolutely uh, lapses in tenant law that were allowing all of this to happen. So, um, so I would say, you know, we went in, um, and and we're invited in by tenants uh, at court spaces to see what we could do and follow their lead. I wouldn't say we really stepped in thinking right away, you know, oh, we need to go and lobby our electeds. We went in to, to hear them, to listen to them, um, to, you know, to gather people together, to make sure there was interpretation, for example, um, and, and sort of, provide a more to a container, right, for folks to air their grievances, to share information, and really to build rapport, um, which is, uh, you know, has, I think, you know, Sam could speak to it a lot more, but I'm seeing more and more the value of the, the trust and connection that people are, are making as neighbors as incredibly important, especially as we get into month four of housing insecurity and stress. Um, so we went in um, really trying to create those spaces uh, to try and provide some sort of know your rights, but fundamentally really talk about power um, and, 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 you know, share some reassurance that, you know, while this is really, really scary um, and frustrating and exhausting and all the things um, that there was, you know, you know, practicing what we preach, there's strength in, in numbers. And um, and then we got into the more technical, right? Talking about some of the strategies that we've seen work in other cases, um, whether that's, you know, sort of inside out, right? So meeting with, with, um, with decision makers, lobbying, but also really talking with the media, making sure that we have our, as any good organizer will tell you, our clipboard with lists and notes and follow-up calls and texts, um, uh, and just reaching out to, uh, to partners throughout the state who had experience with different ordinances, different laws and cases. So to really better our collective understanding of what was going on, what's possible. And it also uh, helped enable some legal help to be present for the tenants, right? Just That's right. Yeah, so so one of the um, one of the resources that we were able to find was a um, a law firm that really is you know has the public interest in mind, who agreed to represent the newly formed Court Spaces Tenant Association, um, and so they're um, doing the the casework of collecting um, you know. Uh, collecting all the information that we've been gathering from going door to door, from meetings, from intake forms we we created, um, looking at the data and looking for 
stories where, you know, where there's like a legal violation that's happening. Um, and I think, I think that uh, one of the tensions that I think kind of is important to uplift is that, and this is a, a broader tension that we are certainly noticing in our organizing as the Santa Barbara Tenants Union. I think a lot of other um, tenants rights groups and tenant associations are facing is this sort of gravity towards the legal approach. Um, you know, people, I think when they're really panicked about their housing, just look for a lawyer, right? And and that's certainly absolutely incredibly helpful. Um, and, uh, you know, none of the ability, for example, to get them representation would have been possible if it wasn't for people putting in dozens of hours, going door to door, collecting signatures, telling people what a tenant association even is, um, building that trust and sharing information. Um, so there's the the organizing piece of it that I always like to uplift as we talk about the legal representation. Uh -huh. Sorry to be preachy about that. And you should mention, I think the Legal Aid Society is is, is very much a partner in, in the legal uh, help here. So, That's right. And the other thing that I think you, you should be foregrounding, if, if I were you, was the, the very good insight of bringing tenants like Sam to the Board of uh, Supervisors, uh, even before it was on their agenda, to talk in public comment about their stories. The That's right. story Sam you just told here is one of many that I think were being told that way. And the supervisors, the electeds, have said publicly they can't ignore these stories. They are so fundamentally human violations of human rights going on here that they can't just sit there and say, oh, that's that's a nice story. They they have to figure out some way of being responsive to it, is, is my impression. Uh, occasionally, such stories have power. And in this that's case, right. a lot of power. So, so let's uh, uh, quickly, but but clearly, define what the Board of Supervisors so far has been able to adopt in the way of tightening the support for tenants in the law. So, just on your earlier note, um, but this was, you know, I'm I feel like I'm I'm in public comments quite a bit, so I'm I'm a regular, but. For pretty much everybody else, this was a new experience, right? Showing up in on a Tuesday morning, uh, folks having to get childcare or um, pull their kids out of uh, school or skip their jobs to show up in a space that is generally pretty unwelcoming to them. And they, you all, sh <laughs> shared your stories with incredible authenticity and um, power and a boldness that I think really shook a lot of people who are around those spaces all the time. And I think in the first one or two public comments, um, and as you pointed out, um, Dick, this was before it was on the agenda, you know, we, everybody felt the need that, you know, we need to put this on the agenda ASAP and we can't wait for, um, for people to drag their feet. Um, and I think we had like 34, 35 public commenters the first time giving I mean, I had goosebumps and 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 it was just incredibly powerful. And that was sustained for weeks and weeks at a time. That's the tough part, I think, in organizing. So just huge shout out to everybody who who has been doing that work. Um, so 
back to your question, the um, a few two weeks after, I believe it's two weeks after the uh, tenants got notices to vacate, the County Board of Supervisors had a special session uh, where they passed an urgency measure, basically echoing what we had just passed in the city of Santa Barbara, saying, look, if you are going to be renovating your unit and you're requiring somebody to lose their home, you need to say what you're going to do and do what you say, right? At its core, you're saying, show us your plans, do your due diligence and pull your permits. And only then can you confront your uh, the, the person who calls their that apartment their home and tell them that they need to leave, right? Um, it sounds really common sense, right? But it hasn't been the norm. Right. So that fundamentally, one, it's a it's a best practice. We needed to do that. But two, it bought people time, which I think was really important. And then just last week, last Tuesday, the Board of Supervisors passed an ordinance that did three things. One, it um, uh, requires that if you live in a in a, a place for more than a year, you have to be offered a one-year lease. Um, so that's becoming more and more the norm in more places. But more importantly, it said that you are only able to displace somebody for a renovation if the primary purpose is to address a safety or habitability concern. So what that means is you can't just decide that you want to bougie up the place with nicer tiles so you can rent it out for more, that there has to be like a compelling safety or habitability concern. And then the second piece of it is that if somebody has to be out of the apartment for more than 30 days for that type of renovation, that you offer the apartment back to them when they're back. And that's, you know, there I haven't been as many examples out there for that, but it, we think it makes total sense, right? Um, that if, if somebody's going to be moved out, um, they should be offered it at first. So they, so if that, um, in that circumstance, you could almost say it's not really an eviction, which people are forced out. It's continues to be quote unquote, their apartment if they want to have it. The, the only kicker here is, as I understand, is that that new ordinance doesn't require that the rent be the same or, or similar. So that's that's a possible problem or loophole right there. And are you working to try to uh, plug that particular loophole, maybe? Yeah, so part of the, you know, the vote that we got was that the county staff would come back with a further exploration of additional suggestions that we had made around um, capping the rent uh, upon return. And um, and so we'll definitely be pushing for that. I think another way to look at it um, is, you know, state law allows for renovations like this, even the dreaded Costa Hawkins, which has been like the biggest hurdle to actually some sort of sensical rent stabilization um, in, the, in the state um, is, you know, even that allows for people to be temporarily displaced for renovation. It doesn't end the, the lease term. And then in that case, you know, the rent is sort of capped by anti-price gouging laws. Um, however, um, we want to be extra sure that this ordinance includes that language very explicitly in all scenarios. So we're coming close to the end of our time here. So let me say this is not 
This is a huge case, but it's not unfortunately isolated. There's other uh, apartment complexes, smaller, I guess, but still where these things are happening. We heard about uh, a situation, I think it's uh, in uh, in Carpinteria uh, or in, the, in that area where a existing affordable uh, private apartment complex being faced with eviction. Why? They want to create uh, short-term rentals out of that place. Uh, in other words, people are, these corporations are inventing business plans. This is what gets me, <laughs> that actually require people to give up their homes to have extremely precarious and, and, and uh, um, an uncertain uh, futures so they can go ahead and make more money out of some kind of scheme which people already have doubts about the validity of i mean people don't think that short-term vacation rentals is should be a priority over have people being able to live uh, normal lives in their apartments i think you'd ask anyone in this town they would probably if i phrased it that way understand why that seems quite wrong and similarly uh wanting to uh, e equally bad <laughs> wanting to create student dormitories for students who can afford them which is not most of the students probably uh to displace again people who are working people or students or families uh, for the purposes of that kind of business plan that's and, right. and that that's where I, I may say editorially or morally that's one of the places we're at in this society at this point, that the, these property rights, the, the right to make a profit, uh, the so-called market rights uh, taking precedence over obvious human need for home. Well, I think uh, you guys are trying to change that. And, and um, so I'm with you on this. We're working together, actually. I have to be very honest. Uh, this was not an objective conversation. Um, and so thank you. Sam, I hope uh, everyone, I, I'm sure it feels as I do, that things work out well in this situation, because if they work out well for you, that's a great human story. You're, you need it to work out well, but it's a great story for our community as well, if we can turn this thing around. And thank you, Sam Lee Sankoff, for uh, your work with the Tenants Union and for being with us. Thank you, Lisa Osborne, for being our producer director and uh, she might edit this out, but she is St. Barbara in the com upcoming fiesta. Our, our very producer, Lisa Osborne, is actually secretly St. Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next month, I hope. Take care. Thanks so much. Thank you.